Oh, hey, good afternoon. It's Adam Fitzgerald. I'm the co-host of The Dark and Dower, and we have some discussion with you today, and who better than to have the libertarian uh, community along with us about probably the most controversial tweet ever tweeted on viral media by the Libertarian Committee uh, movement itself. And with us today is Reed Coverdale. Reed, you are fastly catching up to being the most banned libertarian person on viral media. Um, <laughs> you're not at Ryan Dawson's level yet, but you gave the idea for the tweet, which caused quite the firestorm, but we're going to get into that in a minute. Reed, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Adam. Thanks for having me on. Clint, second time we're meeting today, and you are the host of the Liberty Lockdown podcast. Um, thank you for coming on. Yeah, dude, my pleasure. Yeah, you know, you, Jose Gallison, such... first time we're meeting. Um, Jose, um, you're one of the co-hosts of the Tower Gang Pod. Um, <laughs> very uh, crude and very invigorating uh, group of young men that talk about the serious issues with a humorous uh, topic on, on top of it. And I wanted to get you on. Thank you very much for coming. Oh, oh thanks for having me. I mean, other show, no way, Jose, hey, uh, no way, Jose, as well. But you know, uh, it is funny though. You, know, you say we have a crash show, but uh, I had the Brandon Concert to my show recently, and that literally happened from one of our trans uh, fans on Tower Power Hour, which is ironic considering they hooked us up. So yeah, you uh, also have uh, probably the one of the best uh, topics uh, to talk with Richard Booth about the Oklahoma City bombing podcast. That series, it's fantastic, by the yeah. way. Yeah, I um, genuinely think it's the best OKC bombing podcast series. Yeah, easily. Uh, There's there. not many, and, but that, that's yeah. the best that I've seen so far. And 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 that's not even saying trying to fluff myself up. That's actually all Richard Booth's doing. So right. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's a it's a must listen for anybody out there that yeah, doesn't know what happened in OKC. It's it's eye opening. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, let's get right into it. Um, there was a tweet made by the um, New Hampshire. Liberty, Liberty Party, New Hampshire. And this is the tweet. That's oh my god! Play. I haven't seen this yet. This is awful. I can't believe it. <laughs> this is this is well. We're gonna get into that in a minute, Clint. Uh, <laughs> a little milk toast for we, my taste. We, we'll see. I, what, I, what I wanted to show was this is the tweet that caused such a firestorm from everybody. It went viral for a minute there on on viral media and Twitter, and even on uh, major national networks. So happy holidays! And this was tweeted at three thirty-seven. And it was tweeted by the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. Now, the idea came from you, Reed, regarding this tweet. And um, obviously, this caused such a brush with many people, including uh, people like Justin Amash, who basically came right out and said that this is, you know, an abhorrent tweet. And of course, we had people like um, Megan McCain, of all people, who retweeted this six times on her Twitter. And as you could see, this is the official Twitter account of the state of New Hampshire's Liberal Party. I hope no one ever does anything like this to any of you. I really fear for the future of the world and how we come to treat each other. What an ironic statement that is. No kidding. Um, so I think I counted seven, but go what, on. I, <laughs> this tweet, by the way, was um, also on the New York Post. Now, I'm in New York, and I can tell you the New York Post is a rag personally. Megan McCain slams New Hampshire Libertarian Party over celebrating dad's death. And of course, you know, they show that the tweet that I just showed you before, and they talk about how important the tweet is. And I thought it really was an interesting topic because for me anyway, I, I looked at it from a much more broader spectrum of when is it permissible to critique people, even if it's relatives of a dead loved one, 
regarding um, egregious crimes such as mass murder, which John McCain participated in with his draconian policies of the Middle East and geopolitics in general in the last 30 years. So is it, is it warranted to critique the relatives of grieving uh, sons and daughters of these people regarding their silence on the matter? Not that she participated, but she certainly advocated for these policies all throughout the years, when her views, when she was on The View, and even when she left The View. And I made a, a collage video last night real quick, and you know, I just wanted to bring up two areas. One is the area of psychology, and the other, the moral ambiguity of the tweet itself. So who better than to opine on this and give us thoughts about this uh, tweet and what it meant than you read? You gave the idea for this tweet to the New, uh, New Hampshire Party, Libertarian Party. What was your intention behind this tweet? Well, I've made this, or a, at least a very similar one on my personal account a couple times when I had an account and it caused a lot of trouble, but nothing like this. Um, and so we, uh, you know, I am in the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire's comms, uh, the communications committee. So I help come up with ideas for tweets and like different things we can say, different videos we should tweet out. I also help with the ads that the LP New Hampshire's put out for Jeremy Kaufman, or uh, we just did a huge one on Defend the Guard a few days ago. And it's a very well put together video by Dan Smots. It's narrated by Scott Horton. It shows Ron Paul and Dave Smith and all these different uh, images of war taking place around the world. And that got like maybe a thousand retweets or not, not even a thousand retweets, like a thousand likes and maybe like, I forget how many thousand views, but it, it didn't go viral at all. It was kind of disappointing. Actually, we were, we tagged a lot of uh, big names like Abby Martin and Caitlin Johnstone and uh, tried to get every big account we could to retweet it. And it just like kind of didn't go a lot of places. So what I've noticed is when you're tweeting stuff out like this, there's, it's kind of a sliding scale between exposition and shock value. So if it's just shock value, it's no good. If it's just nothing but tweeting something that'll get people to stare at you and shock and disgust, like that's not really worth anything. And if it's just pure exposition, no one is ever going to read it. No one's, even if it's the most important information in the world. So it's always about like, finding where along that line you can kind of center it and get a good uh, mixture of shock value and exposition. So this was definitely like leaning heavily on the shock value a little bit more than the exposition, but it's given the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire like three and a half thousand new followers already. The Defend the Guard video that I was talking about has, I think like 30,000 more views than it did before the tweet went out. Um, you know, now we, like you said, we've been in the New York Post, we've been in all these publications, and what is it for? It's for spitting on John McCain's legacy and mocking his daughter. And in the New York Post, specifically toward the end of the article, they're talking about like the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire doubles down and says, you know, and says like, we will dance on the graves of war criminals if no one else will. And it's really distinguishing libertarians against warmongers like that is the obvious distinction that's taking place here regardless of how mean-spirited the tweet is like the only other time libertarians get into the news like this when they're trending on twitter when they're making national news 
when you've got hundreds of thousands of people like knowing what's going on with them. It's when they say something stupid about like age of consent laws or they don't know what Aleppo is or something fucking stupid like that. So at least with this, even though it was definitely in bad taste and shocking and everything, this was something that got us talked about in relation to how much we hate John McCain and his legacy and his daughter for spreading his legacy. And like you said, like, um, you know, she has, she's supported all of his views on TV, like when he was still alive and after his death saying like everything that he did was great. She's uh, she's kind of hijacked his legacy to further her own career. She's even like selling her books with photo ops of her book on her dad's gravestone and shit. Like she lives off of her dad's legacy. So it's not like she's just some waitress or some, uh, you know, janitor or some job that has absolutely nothing to do with her dad's legacy. And we're just laughing at her, you know, because her dad died or something. This is specifically because she is maybe even more influential than he was like she wasn't elected into government office so she wasn't voting on policies but she's been one of the heads of the view which is a huge tv show that everybody knows about and she's pushed all of his disgusting ideology and everything so that was the thought behind it that you know will be a little shocking a little distasteful but we're gonna at the end of the day kind of drive a point home and it to be honest this was way this is way better than I could have hoped for. Like at first when it started popping off like crazy, I was kind of like, Oh God, like we'll see how this goes. But not only did it kind of show us who amongst our own ranks was kind of squeamish on this topic and didn't really like feel comfortable going after the warmongers at this level or whatever, but it also, uh, like I said earlier, just gave this very distinct separation between libertarians and warmongers and that we hate them and that's what we're known as right now like even if we're assholes we're assholes who hate john mccain and his daughter and we hate them so much because of what they've done uh because of the policies that they've advocated that we're willing to make like this awful tweet about them and not feel bad about it so i think it's turned out amazingly i <laughs> like i mean i was kind of iffy on it at first but i'm ecstatic now um, just to follow up to that, Reed, if I can, and then I want to get to the thoughts of Clinton Jose here. Are you worried about the backlash from certain libertarians, such as Justin Amash um, and Spike Cohen, who spoke critically about the tweet and what it will do for the long range term of libertarian movement? So this is where I might disagree with Jose. I would I don't think that that should have been tweeted out from the national account. Like, uh, I think the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire has fulfilled a distinct role of being the spearhead of always pushing the kind of controversial, hard in the paint, uh, real hardline libertarian stances. Like some of the other Libertarian Party accounts, like they try to warm up to, uh, I mean, we got blocked by Jesse Kelly the other week for like calling him out on kind of getting soft on the FBI. And we've gotten blocked by tons of uh, liberals, tons of conservatives on both sides of the aisle, because that's just what we do. Like we're the hard line. Uh, if you step out of line and you're not, uh, you know, you're not repping libertarianism the way you should be, or if you're a conservative or a liberal and you're kind of getting flaky on something you're supposed to be good on, we're going to call you out. We're going to be uh, divisive. We're going to be, uh, you know, just laying the hard libertarian stance down. And, you know, we're just one state affiliate out of I think there, I think there's a one in Hawaii too. So out of 50 state affiliates, we're kind of the tip of the spear. And so, yeah, I think you're going to have backlash. And 
I think it's okay. Like I actually wasn't upset at Justin Amash for the way he responded. Cause I 100% expected it from him. He's a respectability politics guy. So I wasn't surprised at all. It's like, whatever, dude, what I was actually upset about is people who try to ride the line, straddle the fence and act like they're super anti-state, super anti-government, you know, Oh, you know, things were so bad when Trump was in there because of his mean tweets. I'd take some mean tweets right now. And then we have mean tweets and they fucking lose their minds over it because it's not decent enough or whatever. Those are the people I'm more upset about. Hmm. Um, so I think it, you know, I don't think this is, I mean, if this was enough to get you to leave the libertarian party or the Liberty movement, I don't think you were very serious in the first place because there's way more egregious shit we're up against, like the war crimes that these people are actually committing. So if that was enough to get you to, you know, kind of, uh chicken out then i don't think you're much of a loss clint you uh basically opined pretty much in agreement with uh the new new hampshire tweet and basically you tweeted this yesterday which i thought was pretty uh pretty bold oh boohoo the lady that wants america to be treated like al-qaeda and thrown a gitmo without trial is upset let's all come to her defense miss me with your sensitivities to those that advocate war crimes and it was because of your tweet that I made the video. And I thought that was, that was for me, the deal breaker regarding when is it okay to critique relatives of deceased war criminals? And he would be labeled a war criminal if the United States were privy to the Rome Statutes, which is the International Criminal Court. When is it okay to criticize these people, Clint? Um, and is it morally, um, is it morally, I guess, sound to do so? Well, it's, it's morally sound if they share some of the moral burden. I mean, if, if you are strongly opposed to your parents' actions, then obviously you, you share none of the, the guilt. Uh, I think that's a given. Like, none of us are collectivists. None of us believe that there's guilt by association or things like that. So uh, she has a long history of advocating on behalf of her father's policies, on behalf of neoconservatism, on behalf of a paternalistic view of the world where you can bomb and bring democracy to these poor, uneducated masses. Uh, she also believes that the people on January 6th should be put in Gitmo, <clears throat> a place where torture has occurred. She's a fucking scumbag. Let's just say what it is, you know? Like, I, I don't even understand the sensitivity that people are, are projecting, like, it, it strikes me, uh, it sounds crazy because I never say this, but it strikes me as deeply racist. Like, she's this blonde, blue-eyed lady in America. We all have to be concerned about her feelings. How about the millions of dead people because of her ideology? Do you have any concern for those people? Where is the fucking, the, the teeter-totter in your worldview where you go like, okay, maybe this doesn't matter nearly as much compared to this. I just, I think... That tweet was a brilliant uh, mechanism to de decipher who actually understands the evil of our <clears throat> empire. You know, like how many, how many in the Libertarian Party are actually opposed to war, to nonstop, consistent war our entire lives? How many? N not enough, apparently. <laughs> you know, the fact that we had so many people that have, you know, allegedly become our leaders that come out in opposition to this is an embarrassment. I'm embarrassed by these people. 
And so I mean that sincerely. Just like I did with the follow up with, with Reed. Clint, are you more worried about a, a backlash from the libertarian movement regarding no. that tweet? No, you, you, you're not. No. no. If they if they think that that I or us or we are going to back off because they're upset, they're out of their minds. I mean, this is this is probably the most important thing. You know, it's what it's what could lead towards World War Three. It's what could lead towards hmm. Armageddon. You know, like, no, I am absolutely not going to back off on tweets. Good God. I, I just can't believe that this is even a conversation, honestly. Mm. Like the fact that, that their priorities are so misaligned, like you're so concerned with people thinking that we're too radical. If it's too radical to want peace, then what are we doing here? You know, mm. like it's it just doesn't make sense to me. Okay, uh, you opined uh, just um earlier today on the LPNH tweet, keep in mind that in a libertarian or anarchist society, the most common method to deal with advocates of atrocities would likely be through social means. Bullying war criminals and their simps is a good thing. Was the tweet actually a good thing to do, even if it comes at the behest of a grieving relative? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, like I said, through social means, that's how you're going to deal with these issues. Uh, I mean, I, I genuinely have no problem with bullying people who do stuff like that. Uh, I do like because it does provide uh, a, lot of our, a lot of our circles. The, the question goes like, what happens in American society? Like, how do you deal with people who are sympathized for socialism, communism, all sorts of other things since the idea is that we're against aggression? Obviously, you can go to deep theory and there's other ways to handle it, private societies, whatever. But let's say, we, you know, aside from all that. The big thing is going to be things like this. Like, I have no sympathy whatsoever for Megan McCain, and I will 100% say I take joy in her pain. I do. Fuck her. <laughs> like, I just genuinely do. I mean, if that makes me evil, so be it. I don't care. Uh, I, and uh, like Reed said, I do disagree a little bit. I don't think it was in bad taste, and I think it should have been from National, uh, personally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not <yeah>. surprised. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I, I, I'm – I don't – like – and I'm, it's well known. I'm, I'm not going to go you know, a diatribe on it, but I'm not even necessarily an advocate of the political uh, engaging the political sphere in like voting, whatever, what have you. I don't even really I'm not a big fan of the LP in that sense. And the reason why is because I think the only reason if there is a reason for them is exactly what Reed did. Like, that's it. But the problem is, I think, is that's not sustainable, as you've seen some of the actors start coming out. Uh, now, if it proved me wrong, I mean, I, I guess, sure, prove me wrong. Keep this train of moving. Uh, you know, keep uh, keep bullying the people who do, do this and, and freak out about it, because uh, we were talking yesterday, like I know that you're maybe the follow up here you gave to them is like, are we worried about the, the, what this will happen for the movement? No, I don't care. I mean, if I would rather have 10 people with a shared sense of purpose than 20 people that are kind of loosely connected, uh, you know, if I have some task I'm trying to perform, I, I, I far value quality over quantity. I think a, a radicalized, you know, five people is better than a, you know, milk toast 50 or whatever. I'm just making up numbers here, but yeah, I, I don't, I genuinely don't care if this offends you. Sorry, uh, go away. I don't care. <laughs> so, yeah. Right now. Uh, obviously this has uh, been quite a, a cause for contention and debate about the moral issue of being pushing the, t the ticket too far, for example, but what is that line? And where does it basically cut off that? Now, I, and I thought this is a great uh, medium here regarding that tweet. Is that 
going too far or is that going even too little? So read on a moral issue, on a moral basis, we're talking about moral ambiguity. Did that tweet go too far according to you or was it too little? Um, no, it didn't go too far. I don't, I don't know how much farther you could get away with, with it still being effective. Like it, to me, it's not so much about morality. It's about what is going to work. And I, I, I do think that was like getting pretty close to the line of like what would actually be mm. effective for messaging versus, you know, something that people would just be like, Oh, that's just evil. Um, because, um, you know, I, I, I agree with Jose in some sense, like if you're going to, I mean, to, to Jose, well, kind of to Jose's point, but also kind of countering what he's saying, like the reason this took off so big is because it was from a libertarian party official account. Like even, I mean, Clint has twice the uh, followers, the libertarian party of New Hampshire does. But I think if he had tweeted out the identical tweet, it wouldn't have blown up the way it did. It was because it was chance. an official verified political party. Don't make me spurg into an argument about something, <laughs> some side topic. Okay, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so like, I think that's why it had so much power uh, because of, because of the blue check mark and because of the party <clears throat> affiliation. Absolutely. So along with that, I think comes a calculation of like, what is actually still going to get people to think about something versus what is just going to cause outrage. And I think, I think that was like getting pretty close to the line. I don't really know how much farther you could have gone and still made an effective point. But like I said earlier, I was super happy with where it landed and I wasn't sure it was going to, because when she quote tweeted it six times, it was just inundated with outrage. Mm. And I was like, and not like the type of outrage we care about is just like these, you know, blue and on uh, Democrats, whatever. But then once you started seeing like Tim Pool and, uh, you know, Lydia and people that you're supposed to think of, like, like Lauren Chen. And uh, I'm trying to think who else was there, but there were a lot of people that were just like flat out like this is disgusting. I want nothing to do with this. This is I'm going to this is actually making me more authoritarian. This is why I'm not a libertarian. That was like the most fascinating thing to me about this whole thing. And I think right where we had kind of drawn the line with the tweet was uh, was probably a good spot because it made it it was kind of maximum effectiveness. Well, I mean, Clint, is, did it did it go too far or what or did it go far enough? Oh, it certainly went far enough. Uh, I, and I also don't think it went too far. I honestly think it was like. Perfect, <laughs> um, because it, it created this conversation. It created this conversation that we've been having for the past 72 hours now where we are all, you know, we're, we're explaining some of us are backpedaling. Some of us are pushing it further. Um, I've tried to use this opportunity to, to expound on our justification for such anger towards not just Megan McCain, but towards her father and everybody that shares neoconservatism belief systems. Uh, so I'm thrilled that, that, it has actually allowed those conversations to occur. Um, I think that it, uh, especially with terms of service, like you couldn't go any further than, you know, what Reed did. So <clears throat> I, you know, I think legally we were right up against the line there. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and I, I just, I don't really care that it upset so many people that, that are, are, you know, alleged allies um, because I don't, I think that those people still value, uh, you know, it's been described as respectability politics. Um, 
I think many of them are demonstrating a, a level, you know, even though they may consider themselves deeply red pilled, that perhaps they're still significantly blue pilled that, you know, that they, they think that they're woke because they stopped wearing their mask and they didn't get the jab. And, you know, like, like they think that they've been woken up to all of the evils of our, our propaganda. Uh, I think that cowed into believing that you have to respect and have some level of decorum with people that literally would put you in prison without trial for the rest of your life mm. <laughs> or, or blow up innocent people all across the rest of the world. I mean, I just, I can't even relate to them. I honestly can't. I can't relate to the idea of like, but what about her? It's, it's a daughter mourning her father. It's like, yeah, of course. Of course, that's a sad mm. thing. And of course, her emotions are sincere in that moment. I'm not even questioning any of that. It's just that comparatively, like, where was your outrage over their entire multi-decade, you know, the 50-year reign of John McCain? <laughs> like, where yeah. was the outrage for that? No, it's a, it's a meme with two words that allows you to go on to these tirades. It just, it, it just shows how weak and dumb people are, honestly. Jose, it does bring up an interesting conundrum. I mean, uh, you were, we had a lot of responses, a lot of blue check well, the responses. Forward party, forgot about that. Forward Chen, Justin Amash, Forward Party, Marcel Dumas, uh, Angela McCardle even said, I have zero control. I will say McCain was a war criminal, so I'm not personally offended. David Weissman even came on, Sticks and Hammer, Ali Betsa. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You could see many different opinions. Did the tweet uh, push the ticket or did it? not go far enough i mean i'm not gonna say it didn't go far enough even though that's what everyone was expecting although yep. like if there was the point everyone's brought up here is there wasn't really a farther to go and mm -hmm. it was I, I will grant that like obviously it leans more in shock value uh it requires a little bit more of a nuanced um interpretation because i mean obviously it's two words in just a picture so you have to apply your own interpretation of the context uh, so it, it is, it's getting in vague here, but I mean, I have no, I have no problem with more offensive, but I think you're at a spot with that where we're like, it's kind of, I don't know how much more offensive you get without taking, you know, getting nuked off of Twitter or it getting too vague to people don't even understand the idea you're, you're trying to express because they get caught up in the shock. I, I think it was, it did strike a perfect balance, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I really have a hard time imagining. I'm sure there's probably something else out there. I'm hoping uh, Reed finds it. Uh, something else that's equally as offensive yet <laughs> uh, yet right. Uh, you know, because I mean, I'm fine with that. If it's offensive and right, then, that, then I feel like that means there's something that's being tugged on that you know needs to keep getting tugged on. Um, you know, because I know a lot of people get caught up in all the votes and stuff. That was the big thing. Oh, your guys are never going to get votes. I'm like, who, who cares? For one, I think it's actually wrong. I think if you understand how political theory works, you know, especially if you start having like interpreting, uh, like especially like, things like elite theory, you realize that like, ah, that's not, yeah, okay, yeah, you pissed off a bunch of people on Twitter. That doesn't mean you're not going to get the votes. But also the other point is like, who cares? It's a libertarian party. Uh, but you know, even if you were to take that, like the idea that like a bunch of people are outraged on Twitter, so they won't get votes is silly because really all it takes is I think you're actually more likely to get votes with a message like this being more brash, separating yourself from the group. Um, you know, um, it, 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 you will get some people who come out because people, the vast majority of people are followers. So the idea that a bunch of people are mad doesn't really mean much. Uh, you know, it really is a matter of, you know, uh, influence, like, 
uh, getting some larger people to kind of agree, uh, separating yourself out. Um, it, yeah, because I mean, just being like the rest is, it doesn't mean anything, whether it be for votes or whether it be for mm. having a message. So yeah. And for for your audience's sake, if they're not familiar, John McCain died of a brain tumor two years ago. So that's what the happy holidays was about. Yeah, August 25th. It's a national holiday on the anti-neocon report calendar, right, Eric? <laughs> well, and, and Eric Jackman, thank you. Right. Eric Jackman is the co-host of the Jackman Radio Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Eric, did, did the tweet go too far or did it not go far enough? <laughs> um, you know, it, it is it was ballsy and it's cringe and it's, you know, distasteful and it's all the above, but it's effective. <laughs> it's, it's it's been effective i mean look at look at the the shitstorm that it caused and the media frenzy and the attention that the libertarian party has on itself now actually distinguishing itself as a real alternative and, and, and a real form of resistance to the duopoly that we have because uh clint maybe you made this tweet someone did um that when this happens and there's real offense and real shade thrown at the warmongers um the pearl clutching happens in both parties when it's, you know, a sacred figure or a sacred cow. And then, and, and they say, how dare you, how could you? And then they show their colors as really just automatons of the state and that they, they're no matter what they're going to, they want to uphold that status quo. And they want to keep those figures like a John McCain or like the Cheney's or the Clintons and the Bushes. Um, while there might be superficial disagreement with them or, or we're against them at the end of the day, you know, most people will just go in line and say, you, you can't, you can't do that. How dare you? So um, I think it's, it's been really effective. And um, you know, I wanted to put out a tweet that said, Hey, uh, Megan McCain, my dad died of a brain tumor too, but he didn't murder a million people. <laughs> you know, uh, I, re I remember when I uh, like, 15 years ago or something, I had my uh, a really good friend of mine who was a hardcore Democrat and he came, he came up to me and he was talking to me about like the, I think it was 08 when McCain ran, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and he was saying, so, you know, I know you're not a fan of Obama or the Democrats, you, you voting for McCain. And I said, McCain is arguably the most evil political figure in my lifetime. Of course, I'm not going to vote for him. And he was like, What? McCain's a war hero. <laughs> and this is coming from a Democrat who's, you know, allegedly anti-war. <clears throat> there's something, there's something really profound about the, the capacity to propagandize the American people into believing that, that the narrative that these people are like deities or something. It drives me absolutely insane. I mean, you have Joe Biden, who's right up there with McCain in terms of evilness. And he, he's been utilized to to alleviate the pressures from the social justice warrior crowd which is absolutely insane because he's responsible for so much of the policies that have you know ruined minorities lives uh and i think that it's just another example of how how detached from reality the narrative is and i think that anytime we have the opportunity to sh you know to shake people from their their slumber and say hey look at this look at what these people have done it's, it's incumbent upon us to do it. I think the, my biggest disappointment in all this is that the libertarian movement itself, the, the leadership in its entirety, didn't galvanize in this moment to say, mm. we are not relenting from this. This is exactly yeah. what we believe in, that war criminals deserve prison at a minimum. And if, if we're just going to send out mean tweets, consider yourselves lucky. <laughs> you know, like like mm. this, is, this is about as nice as we can be about it. 
Um, but instead, you have, you know, the pearl clutching need to be respected bullshit that people do. And I just don't think they've learned. I don't think they understand that, you know, these people are never going to respect us. They're already categorizing us as fucking terrorists, for God's sakes. And like, I'd say their advocates deserve, deserve shame as well. I mean, I'm not saying in every, like, if you have a friend who's like a neocon, you need to shame them. But if you do, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. It might not be the right way to go about it, but especially public figures like Meghan McCain. No, they merit every bit of ridicule they get. That's why people like Tim Dillon are heroes. As anyone, like, I, anyone watches, you haven't seen it, type in Tim Dillon, Meghan McCain, and you'll laugh your ass off. Mm. And it's, it's like, it's what Reed did, but worse, basically, like way worse. Uh, and, you know, he, he yeah. definitely plays into joking about how she's grifted her entire career off of her dad. And, you know, in her you know, insane hatred for Trump, not that I'm a fan of Trump, but she hates him for all the wrong reasons. Um, so and, and her love for militarism, too. Yep. It's, a, it's an exquisite mm. parody. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, yes. I just want to read this. This is the New Hampshire Republican Party. They quote tweeted our tweet and said, this is a despicable tweet from a despicable organization <laughs> that pretends to be a political party. Regardless of party, everyone agrees that Senator McCain was a selfless public servant. Anyone right. serious in New Hampshire about expanding liberty and prosperity should denounce this disgusting display. Such a joke. So like, those who, are the guys that? that you're, that is the New Hampshire Republican Party. Oh my God. So those are the guys that we're trying to pander to and be like, look, come on, you know, we're like, fuck them like they they just call yeah. us a despicable organization they're a bunch pretends. of assholes they're yeah, a bunch of so, they're a bunch of self-righteous assholes I, I gotta point <laughs> out though suck. it's factually wrong because like I, I replied to that i'm like i know like damn near most conservatives and progressives hate mccain it's the centrist like the the biggest group that came out that was offended by this was a centrist and then people who were like okay to some extent i can understand how some people that aren't as ardent about it as we are can be like hey you know it's a, especially a lot of people aren't as informed and don't realize that the part mccain has play, or megan has right. played in all this and then they go oh my god you're making fun of someone mourning her her father like okay but what did that person mourning their father do most people may not be hip to that so it was the centrist and uninformed people who came out in droves, I think. True, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, they, the, like, anyone to any, like, one of the quadrants of the uh, uh, compass hates McCain. The authoritarian right, the libertarian right, tweeted the authoritarian something about left, this too. the libertarian left, they all <laughs> yeah. hate him. Anyone who's not a centrist hates McCain. So I love And, and let, let me be clear, too, that I, I'm not upset with the people that, that misread it as we are just clowning on this woman's misery in the time of her mourning of her father. And she is, you know, to them, an unknown, you know, like God bless them that they're not aware of Megan McCain's belief system. Like I wish all of us weren't. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm not upset with those people that were like, Hey, why are we going after a grieving daughter? That seems really messed up. Like I understand that, that uh, knee jerk reaction, which is why I put out that video of her saying that she wants January 6th people put in Gitmo and treated like Al Qaeda. And it's like, okay, well, maybe she has now entered the political realm where she is not off uh, off grounds. I want to add, she shamed multiple anti-war people who have advocated against political action on The View in like a despicable way. Not like, <clears throat> oh, I disagree, but very much in the way like she kind of, uh, I know it was that clip in your video, Adam, where you had the thing of uh, McCain, uh, you know, calling them scum, the people, uh, you know, mm. protesting the war there. And, that, and Megan has done very similar things. She treats people with complete contempt 
that are like anti-war people and calls them un-American and all sorts of stuff. So fuck her. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, She's Pam- also called for Assange to be, you know, right. like well, Pam- everything. Pamela Anderson went on The View and, and very articulately advocated for Julian Assange's release, um, for WikiLeaks and, and, the, and the great work and just really amazing thing for ex- exposing the war machine and megan mccain basically wanted to spit on her oh that that putin says that stuff too that's russian disinformation it's like shut the fuck up you know and i love that trump was able to do it while mccain was still alive look he's not a war hero okay i like people excuse me i like people who weren't captured okay like that that's the trump that we all love when he did that and then fucking knock that guy down a peg before he died it, it, i gotta point out that's a, such a good case lesson in the hate of mccain like in the republican party at that time where i feel like people weren't as extreme against mccain they still kind of were but not as much as modern day he did that during like and still be out like blew the fuck out of the competition it, like you know in the republican yeah. party so like it was yeah, these guys are out to fucking lunch that i was i mean the funny thing is the new hampshire republican party all of the free staters who are elected are in the republican party you know and they all fucking hate mccain so it just shows how out of touch mm. the official republican party and the leadership of the republican party is with the voters and even the people who are elected to office in the state house of new hampshire so i do want to real quick i don't want to hog the thing but i wanted to point out something michael high said and this is in relation to mm. i think this is something that there's a lesson to be learned this isn't just a party lesson it's just a movement lesson in general but he was obviously speaking the party and he was saying the only way you're going to break through in any meaningful or not even break through he basically said there's two paths like you can essentially go the, the Cato, the uh, reason path, where you write long papers and you, you kind of cozy up to the people in D.C. and you, you're friendly with them and you, you engage in civility and like, I don't know, maybe magically somehow along the line that somehow works out. Or you can, you know, brazenly, you know, make your point uh, with no shame for the people who are, you know, objectively our enemies, like these people that are. And then you get these outraged things like what happened with Reed and it goes big, like. The New York Post thing, like it's one of those, it's one of those beautiful examples. There's been so many articles of the past couple of years where like, it's this like thing where like, depending on your perspective, how you read it, you can be like, oh my God, that's awful. Or, oh my God, that's awesome. And this is like a perfect example of that, where they wrote it to be like, oh my God, look at these hideous people. But if you read it from our lens, you're like, that's the coolest thing I've ever read. Yeah. So, yeah. Especially when, when they, they reach out to the LPNH or they, they see they see their follow-up tweets and they're like, see what we'll do when the, the Clintons yeah. kick the bucket, you know, like it <laughs> yeah. was, and, and we, and we will not, we will not be apologizing. And I think Heiss is exactly right. It's like, you will either become a tool of the regime or you will become an enemy of it. And we know which we are. So when are we going to embrace it? You know, when are we going to stop running from our belief system and, and hiding what we actually believe in just to, in hopes that our ideas get adopted by the powerful, like the powerful have no interest in our ideas. Uh, they're completely counter to their entire uh, worldview and and to their to their benefit. I mean, it, it's it would completely collapse everything that that they value. So this is this is an inevitability. It's just like we're we're just kind of in the process of speeding it up. Yeah, yeah. Just, the uh, the last two paragraphs in the New York Post, uh, but the party's official Twitter account, which has twenty three thousand now over twenty six thousand followers, remained uncowed by the scathing words of criticism <laughs> and doubled down on calling its political calling out its political opponents, whom it labeled war criminals. Wait until you see what we tweet when the Clintons finally kicked the bucket, the party gleefully tweeted early Friday. If we don't dance on the graves of war criminals, who will? 
you know, I'm okay with that going to however many thousand people read that. Like that's that's awesome. Coolest thing ever. That's even like <laughs> e that's one of those things that even when I wasn't like big into libertarian theory, if you just shown sixteen year old me that was just like smoking weed and drinking beer, like and just you know, just would be like, Whoa, that's cool. <laughs> I mean it is it is two paragraphs that you could find in a dictionary behind the word based. It is yeah. the most based <laughs> shit I have ever seen in my life, and I am so so fucking thrilled that that happened. And the crazy thing is, is that more people saw the tweet on Twitter. I mean, you guys have over 10 million impressions, as far as I know, yeah. uh, than, than we'll ever read it in the New York Post or any of these other rags that try and spin it for their own purposes. I, I just think it was it was a masterpiece. Yeah, that, that, that those two paragraphs are like if Snake Island was a true story. It's basically the same thing. Like, right, right, fucked. right. <laughs> to just give an example of, of what Eric was talking about before, um, I'll just play a little bit of a video montage, in, which I made last night uh, hurriedly regarding the follow-up to that tweet. And it actually talks about the silent agreement between Megan McCain and John McCain's policies. And this one is just about the uh, the WikiLeaks uh, Iraq issue. My Democratic colleagues by the facts on the ground. The facts on the ground in Iraq are very clear. Now, there are many political pundits. There are some editorial writers or those that stake some of their reputation on saying this war was lost, as well along with Harry Reid and a lot of the other Democrat politicians. But I think the majority of the American people are smart. And they know that, that we are succeeding in Iraq and that we have succeeded in Iraq and that we will, and I am confident, we will win this war when we keep on and, with the present strategy and not do what Senator Obama wants to do and that set specific dates for withdrawal. And again, I'd like to point out, the same people that are saying that we have to to, to set dates for withdrawal are the same people that said we would fail in Iraq. They were wrong then, and they're wrong now. Just really quick. Six years. Well, I wouldn't be a cyber terrorist, which he is. He, he hacked information. He leaks included classified documents that put our national security at risk, our military, you know who and the lives of spies and diplomats is, is the military. Who, how many people have the, military, the American so, government killed innocently, and how many has WikiLeaks? So you think the military is putting the government at risk? The military has put many innocent lives at risk. Oh, calm down, sir. For I, I'm actually genuinely there very frightened in relation to you, We have war crimes need to be punished, and they haven't. The, the war crimes that he's exposed, no one's, no one's done anything about it. But they put him in jail to shut him up. Are you talking about a, the 210 video of the helicopter right. fire killing civilians in Iraq? Yeah, well, that's one thing, but there's so many other things that he's exposed. So what would you say to the spies who are putting themselves at risk for a national security with your relationship with him? Well, I don't think he, there's nothing proven that he's actually put anybody at risk. Um, they've, they've gone through this over and over again. And I just, I think that people like Edward Snowden, Chelsea Manning are heroes. And, and uh, Julian Assange is a publisher. Who knows? I mean, it does bring up an interesting conundrum because here we have a former Baywatch beauty star, Playboy, who's actually having a moral position over the daughter of a gr gratuitous, uh, the, you know, I want to say, Adam, in the political the, field. The one Eric, blonde who. Yeah, the, let's yeah, go the, to reverse. Eric, what are your thoughts about the it? one blonde who's actually on tape sucking dick is far less of a pig than the other blonde that she's sitting <laughs> across from, you know? So yeah, no, I, I had to I had to bring up that because I did watch that recently, and that is, it's uh, it's just telling. And her whole career and her whole grift, she wouldn't have it if it wasn't for her warmongering father. So 
that legacy lives on through her. She hasn't disavowed his policy. She hasn't said Iraq was a mistake. She hasn't any kind of apology. I've never heard of her having any expressing any kind of sadness or sympathy with the millions of lives that were ruined, uh, killed, displaced, the families who lost people in Iraq. Mm. So, you know, fuck her and fuck John McCain. Jose, it does bring up an, an interesting conundrum. Here we have, you know, Megan McCain, who basically is echoing the sentiments of her father. And like I said, with, with, she may not have been, been responsible, but she certainly is playing in the same ballpark. And she certainly didn't denigrate any of her father's policies. Um, and like I said, the critique of her, as shown in that tweet by New Hampshire, uh, was it warranted or not? But as you could see, uh, for anybody who's opposing the view that she's off limits, I mean, the video itself tells you that she certainly isn't denigrating the policies which led to over a million deaths in Iraq. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, she's just despicable. I, I, I genuinely don't care. I know the biggest thing is a lot of people point out like, oh, she was just giving her opinion uh, and like, so I will admit that she's probably not legally culpable in any sort of way. Like if we were in magical anarchy land, I don't think we'd take her to our private courts and, you know, but we very well, very well may uh, ridicule her to a ridiculous extent or and or try to exile her because uh, she's definitely not a positive influence. And I think there is a case to be made, although it is a weaker case. I know a lot of people do it on Twitter. I, I haven't gotten leaned into it because then you just end up in the weeds arguing a weak case. A lot of people try to make the case that she is responsible because she is part of the media apparatus. Uh, obviously, you know, all of us here have gone down the, the wormhole, down different conspiracies and stuff. So like, yeah, there's obviously, you know, Operation Mockingbird. You can make a case that she is to some extent an arm of the government. That's gonna be a really hard case to prove. So I genuinely don't go there, but yeah, I mean, at some point, yes, yeah, she may not be legally responsible, but in some sort of way, she is, I think, responsible. Uh, you know, maybe not in a way that you could, you know, do any legal action in a righteous world, but yeah, she she is definitely to some extent responsible for the deaths because she continues to advocate them on a large public stage. Uh, yeah, so I mean, once again, uh, I'll end this on the uh, sentiments of fuck Megan McCain. So. She's seen. She. I mean, I think this is a huge issue where people don't understand that the the media is and i'm not saying that anyone on this panel doesn't see this clearly but i think a lot of people don't understand the media's role in you know propagating the masses to support militarism mm -hmm. like it's just it's just it's been a constant so everyone just kind of thinks like well this is just their opinions we can have differences of opinion it's like look <clears throat> if you advocate for war crimes your opinion is terrible. And I'm going to tell you that, <laughs> you know, like, and, and as Jose was saying, like, I'm not saying she's criminally liable, but it, it's crystal clear that she has some moral culpability, crystal clear. Mm. So I don't think there's any reason to, to, you know, believe that she's off guard or uh, out of bounds. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I, I certainly don't think that the, uh, you know, the, the media is, be, like, I don't think she's being paid by the CIA to believe this stuff. I really mm. don't. I think that that you know she's the daughter of a fucking warmonger, and this is what she's been raised to believe. Um, but then she gets a job, and the the reason that the media gives her that job is because she has the last name of McCain, and she's going to represent the the war machine, but with a Republican behind her name, so that she can then, <clears throat> you know, normalize this to the masses. I mean, she's her whole job was to be <clears throat> a bullshit version of of conservatism that that you know propagates 
war crimes and the ideas of wine moms on daily television. Like, yeah. why, why would I have any respect for someone like that? They're, they're mm. like the lower, lowest of the low, as far as I'm concerned. So it's just, it's just weird that, uh, that anyone thinks that she should be out of bounds. Yeah, I believe it was I Noam, oh, sorry, I believe it was Noam Chomsky that said this, like I uh, said to some reporter, he was like the line that's like, I guess the reporter said, what do you think I'm like corrupt? He's like, I'm not saying you're corrupt. I'm saying that you wouldn't be here if you didn't have this position. Exactly. And that is a point to remember. And I do think, uh, you know, people need to look into things like Operation Mockingbird and, and stuff like that and realize to what extent the you know major media companies, uh, whether, I mean, not, they may not be 100% infiltrated. It could just be a mechanism of the larger people or influence. Who knows? I don't know how the feds do it. They do it a million different ways. But to some extent, they basically are just an arm of the government. Like, uh, you know, and OKC, the, I can't remember which major network, but one of the major networks was offered by an FBI agent. They brought him, I guess they brought the, the uh, major network, the uh, film of John Doe 2, the, the fabled one that the feds said, oh, I don't have the security footage anymore. I just disappeared. Uh, and they offered to give it to him, I think said for like a million dollars. And I guess if they somehow got, uh, they contacted the feds or something along those lines and said no. Which if that, if that was a legit major network that wasn't owned by the feds, yeah, maybe they wouldn't have paid a million dollars, maybe would have haggled with them, but they wouldn't have alerted to them the feds right off the bat. Like that was the most insane scoop you could have for a genuine media company. That is just corruption at its peak, in my opinion. So, and there, the, the uh, examples abound. That's just the first that come to my, come, came to my head. Let, let me add to, let me add to real quick that the, think about how incredible it is that like 15 years ago on the campaign trail, John McCain had to really argue about maintaining the wars. Whereas today, that debate is basically non-existent. Yeah. And, and I think that that's what bothers me so much and why I believe that you know, Reed's actions are so vitally necessary is that we have to wake people up to the fact that we still have tons of wars that are going on. They're not, they're not the most overt thing in nature, but you still have tens of thousands of troops that are deployed. You still have bombs that are being dropped pretty much every day. It's like, when are, when are we going to you know, have a real debate about this stuff? And, and this, this type of action starts debates when the media has put everyone else totally to sleep. So they're completely ignoring mm. all of the, uh, the pain and suffering that's occurring. Real quick, I wanted to add, I do love, uh, this is just a thought that occurred to me, the beauty of this Megan, the Megan McCain thing is it does show... Because a lot of people will hide behind, oh, uh, that was in the past or whatever. I mean, they'll still advocate similar actions or they'll say, like, we're, it wasn't me who did it. Like, that was the politicians or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it, this does get at the root of, like, for especially a lot of the major ones that we are, this is, this type of social shaming is not off limits for you. It's not. And I'm completely fine with it. And, like, you don't need to have a direct hand as in, like, being a literal uh, you know, general or politician or whatever. I mean, I think it's genuinely good enough. As Malice says, you know, the corporate media is the enemy of the people, and I think they should be treated as such, uh, especially in situations like this. I know it's a little bit murky because Meg McCain, like, I don't know, I guess you can call her the corporate media since she's in the view. It's a little bit murky, but yeah, same basic concept. So, no, I think this is a great uh, point uh, raised by you and Clinton Eric before. Um, Reed, it, it, you know, the essence of your idea given to the New Hampshire Libertarian Party tweet um, really caused a, 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 a cause of con contention and an idea popped in my head last night. I said, this is basically a moral issue. And the moral issue is that she certainly is not disassociated from McCain's policies. Now, mm -hmm. she certainly didn't create these policies, but she certainly advocated for them, which is the reason why I want to show that in the video I made last night, in the video I just uh, shared with you here. 
I mean, this goes right at the heart of the matter of the libertarian movement, which is anti-war, uh, the, the sanctity of human life. Certainly, people who disagree with that idea that you made last night have to take into account that Megan McCain certainly isn't clean in this issue. No, yeah. I mean, I think the media, um, man, Eric, that video of Raging Dissident from a couple weeks ago where he's like, mm. the journalists, the poor journal, everyone oh. needs, oh my God, it's so good. And his whole point in the rant is that, uh, that's Jeremy McKenzie, the Raging Dissident, but his whole point is that, um, you know, the media sold everything that we've gotten into, whether it was the wars, the, the COVID hysteria the last couple of years, and they're held the least responsible. So you can vote a politician out if you don't like him. And, you know, you can get a different governor, maybe, unless you're in California. But um, the media is not held responsible. And the media just goes on to whatever the next lie or the next frenzy is and, you know, capitalizes off of it. So that's why I was saying at the beginning, in some ways, Megan McCain is actually more influential than John McCain because yeah, John McCain was a Senator for however many years, but she was a face that like Clint was saying, uh, made it appetizing for, you know, middle-aged moms or soccer moms, whatever to like, be like, yeah, I support war because Megan McCain does. And Megan McCain is one of these acceptable conservative women. So yeah. Yeah. Fucker. Um, the, I just wanted to give, uh, Reed Cooley and this was actually Jose's idea but they they towered Megan McCain's response to uh, the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire with uh, daddy is in hell pork chop which was uh, <laughs> pretty based I just I, I think we should throw that out there that like um, and I, I'm I think this is fine to say because it's public out there but Reed Cooley led the tower so even though the official Libertarian Party account didn't do anything Reed Cooley is the uh, comms director for the Libertarian Party, and he was all in on it and everything. And I'm sure he's gotten all sorts of hell for helping us out with that. But props to Reed Cooley for being Mondo based. Just want to throw sure. that in there. <laughs> you know, there was one video last night that made me think of all of you in, in the terms of the Libertarian movement. Is because your guys was it are by like, Dickie Walnuts? No, I'm right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> you know, that, he, that's a great video, by the way, by Dickie Walnuts. By so way. good, great montage. And um, also, but there's this one video of McCain and um, it's basically him introducing one of the absolute most deplorable human beings on the planet who defies um, uh, just moral ambiguity in total and one of the worst uh, war criminals in history, Henry Kissinger, who basically is responsible for the deaths of so many uh, Cambodians and Vietnamese and God knows how many millions were killed throughout the 60s and uh, 70s. Um, and I thought that it was the defense of John McCain to one of the worst individuals on planet Earth. And basically the, the opposing crowd that basically were chanting what you guys would have chanted if you saw McCain. Let me play that just a little bit. I want to get your opinion. I've been a member of this committee for many years, and I have never seen anything as disgraceful 
and outrageous and despicable as the last demonstration that just took place about, you know, you're going to have to shut up or I'm going to have you arrested. If we can't get the Capitol Hill police in here immediately, get out of here, you low-life scum. Capitol Police not doing their job as usual. <laughs> I mean, really, it, and now just imagine if I saw you guys behind it, you would say much worse to him anyway. Uh, but, but boy, John McCain rushing to the defense of one of the worst war criminals and speaking out against the essence of your movement, the libertarian movement, which is anti-war. Very on brand. Uh, Eric, you know, what, what, what would be, you know, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's it's uh, it's just telling, man. All the, all the slugs, man. They stick together, and they there's ne they never came across a war they didn't love. Uh, you know, they didn't they never never opposed expanding our militarism and furthering the police state and the security apparatus that is now with the COVID regime in the last two and a half years has brought its boot down even more on the people of the United States and around the world. So I'm not surprised at all. And, and if I was there, I, I would have, uh, you know, collected a week's worth of porta potty shit to throw at Henry Kissinger. Fucking <laughs> Imagine okay. getting tower gang inside the Capitol building just to fucking protest one of these guys. That would I be mean, incredible. Oh, we tried uh, on January 6th. It didn't work out. <laughs> And no, oh, Jose, <laughs> go ahead, take it away. Oh, I, I, I was just making a silly joke. Yeah, no, I mean, I already touched on that earlier. That was kind of my point. And yeah. I, we've seen much the same sort of vitriol from Meghan McCain. So I, I, the idea, because that, that's the big key thing is a lot of people, there is confusion. Mm -hmm. And then also people caught up in respectability politics about someone who's tangentially connected. Uh, although the point being is, I, you know, she's more connected than people think. Uh, but yeah, I know. Uh, I would. I, I'd have no problem with someone pissing on the grave of John McCain. I uh, have no love loss for him. Uh, I only wish he had died earlier. So. Well, let me let me just point out that exactly what our detractors have been doing for the past seventy-two hours is uh. what McCain did right there. He's mm. demanding. He's saying, "I've never seen anything more disgusting." Da 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 da. Yeah, it's it's like it's like what. What is more disgusting than the wars that this man has propagated? But they can they can then pivot and say that protesters saying that war criminals should be behind bars, they're the disgusting ones, not us, because we do it with our our you know our tie tight and tight, and uh, our our you know our our coat jacket, our suits are all finely pressed. This is right. respectability here, you know. We yeah. we drop bombs with respectability, and and let me also point out. Look how fucking pathetic the left wing is now. You used to have a great organization like Code Pink that was out there actually protesting war criminals. Where are they now? You know, it's like yeah. this is this is the whole reason that we're necessary is because both the left and right has been uh, I don't know they've been defanged. That's, that's a complete inversion of reality, and that's what the elite does, and that's what the, that's why the media exists. It exists to invert reality yep. and then and gaslight the masses. And project the fear and shame you if you speak out against it. So this is a this is a fucking tilt in the matrix. Read, you know, the, the matrix <laughs> tilted a little bit. I know. Well, Caleb, what happened? The one of the best takes I saw on it was not from a libertarian. It was from a, a hardcore. I think she's a communist actually, but I mean she's a definitely like hard left winger. Caitlin Johnstone. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. She's she's based as fuck. But she wrote a whole Substack article that the tweet inspired. And she made the point that make, you know, poking fun at John McCain and Meghan McCain 
proves that or, or points to the fact that John McCain's victims' lives mattered more mm. than Meghan McCain's feelings. And that's really what this comes down to, because respectability politics is about feelings. It doesn't hurt anything other than your feelings. So if that matters to you more than ridiculing someone who has murdered millions of people, then you, you care more about you, you care you care more about feelings than facts and facts don't care about your feelings. So I, I do want to real quick point out, Reed, that I believe Hans Hermann Hoppe would be proud of you because I believe it was in Democracy, the God that failed. He pointed out one of the only ways to, to move the needle or to, you know, uh, push things forward is to make a joke of the system. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the mm -hmm. issue is respectability politics. Uh, you know, kind of like the fact that they have any respectability, they don't. Like, we need to point out to the world that they don't. They are not respectable and they deserve no respect. Um, yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Another point on, on that. But yeah, uh, I mean, maybe some of the post libertarians might get mad about that. Uh, I mean, he had some slightly different aspects of praxis. But yeah, uh, yes, uh, definitely need to make a joke of the system. Oh, I remember my own point. I know a lot of times people get caught up in that, you know, making a joke of the system, and then they end up making a joke of ourselves. And a lot of people will accuse us of like, oh, you're making a joke of yourself. I'm, I believe it's exact opposite. It's kind of like a lot of people would point to Vermin Supreme and thought he was great. Like, oh my God, look what it, no, he made a joke of us. Like he made us look fucking foolish. Like, whereas something like this makes a joke of them. Like, right. no, fuck you. You're a joke. You deserve no respect. I will clown on your misery. And I, I think it's beautiful. Honestly. Well, you yeah. said, you said that it's Hoppian, but let me give you another one from the completely inverted spectrum. Uh, Sololinsky with Rules for Radicals says, mm. you know, ridicule is man's most potent weapon. Uh, he says a good tactic is one your people enjoy. So our people yeah. really enjoyed this tactic. Mm. He also says that make the enemy live up to its own book of rules. That's what they're attempting to do with us. They're trying to apply their morality to us when we're trying to apply our morality to them. We're saying murder is wrong. They're saying you have to be <coughs> respectable. That, we're that, rejecting that. That touches on the remnant concept. Uh, I don't. I don't think Ron Paul Paul was the original person, but he was probably the one that popularized it. Uh, the kind, of, the idea of the the you know identifying the remnant. Uh, um, actually, I wish I could remember. It's the top of my head who actually originated it, but I've read his book. But anyways, um, yeah, the idea of this stuff like this, like, I think it's far more important in group signaling than out group signaling. Uh, something like this, it sends out a you know beacon of light to those who see this and agree. And this is what we want more of. Yes. And then everyone goes, oh, my God, what will the other people think? I don't really care. Those are not the people I'm concerned about. The people I'm concerned about are the people who will agree with us and be heartened to do similar and, you know, carry on. And, you know, we can network, you know, and do all sorts of other things that, yes, I want more people. You know, I, I want every, you know, tweet of every tweet, any respectable ability a politics person puts out there, especially our enemies to be ratioed to hell, clowning them, making fun of the worst moments in their life. I don't care. So, yeah. <laughs> so before we wrap this up, I, I, I do want to have one question. I want to get everyone's answer regarding it. And I'll go into reverse. And Eric, I'll start with you. If you were trying to reach somebody on the opposite spectrum of anti-war, somebody who criticizes the tweet, somebody who defends the, the grieving uh, emotions of a relative who engages in mass murder and genocide, what message would you like to send to them to win them over to your side? Uh, what would be the, the tactic that you would use? Well, I mean, what this does, yeah, it's kind of a shock to people or polite company and respectability but it creates an opening 
So people will say, well, why was a tweet in such distaste created like this? Well, here, let me send you a little video called Collateral Murder, hmm. where our troops fired on innocent journalists in Iraq and slaughtered a dozen people and continued to fire on them. Let me show you that. I don't think you've seen that before. Um, let me show you uh, images of wedding parties where people were celebrating their weddings in Pakistan or Iraq or, uh, you know, Syria or wherever. It's Yemen, the seven countries that we bombed. Let me show you the aftermath of a drone strike. And then let me show you what that does to the local population and the kid who survived that drone strike, who was 12, who then became radicalized and joined ISIS. So it creates an opening to have that conversation and show them that the, the real stuff. So that's that's usually what I do to try to get people on board. And, and I, it's classic, man. It's golden rule. Do you want that done to you? Do you want to be at a relative's wedding and have a drone strike come and kill everybody in your wedding party and your family? Think about that for a sec. Put the shoe on the other foot and change your perspective and your point of view. I, I want to real quick clarify something I said because I realized I misstated. Someone could get offended. Not that I really care too much. But I don't think you should uh, go that depraved with everyone engaged in respectability politics. I mean, yeah, still ratio them, but don't go to like making fun of like their, their parents dying or something. You know, save that for the actual warmongers. But yes, even the uh, respectability politics, troll on them. Uh, but, you know, because I mean, we have some like centrists engaged in it or our kind, they're engaged in respectability politics. Still think you should make fun of them, but maybe not to a McCain level. But, you know, just, just to clarify. <laughs> is it what, what, what would tactics would you use to win people over to the anti-war movement what reed did <laughs> <laughs> Base. Yeah. no for you real I, I do think you should be clowning on them uh and then uh, the biggest thing too is uh i do think i'm not saying always just aggro 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 all the time because you'll see and i think a lot of people need to, you know maybe f figure out their metric of figuring out better but if you have someone engaging with you in good faith you know, someone who is offended by this, I'm, I'm not saying be mean to them right off the bat or whatever, explain to them. But yeah, no, I, I genuinely think if someone's, you know, coming at you already with bad faith and they're engaging with it, no, ridicule. I mean, or, and or ignore, uh, you know, depending on who it is. If it's some five uh, follower account, yeah, who cares? Uh, but, you know, yes, I, I, that's that, that basically more of what Reed did, honestly. I, I do think that's the way forward. I don't think you're going to win a whole lot of people over, but while you're engaging on this sort of large stage, but with the respectability policy, it's a different dynamic when you're interacting on an individual level, obviously. Your people that you, you meet at work or whatever, uh, you know, do it. I mean, I've definitely ridiculed people with stuff like that before, but it depends on the scenario. Mm -hmm. uh, usually the only time that ever really is going to work is if you have a crowd, because if you're at the point where you're ridiculing someone, you need to realize that you're probably not going to reach them. You're, it's more for the people that's watching. Uh, so if you're ever an interpersonal one-on-one -on -one thing, almost never does it really work to resort to ridicule or stuff like, because unless you're trying to provoke some sort of specific reaction for some means or whatever, but, you know, for the most part, one-on-one, -on -one, it usually it does, it does make sense. This is why people, I think, have an issue with this. They have this ingrained, like, oh, we got to be civil. I'm like, no, you don't always have to be civil. It depends on the context, because people aren't, you know, we have so many people who are binary brained. No, it depends on the context. If you're interacting with a, you know, some politician on Twitter is way different than interacting with your friend, Bob, uh, on the train, very different things. So, you know, and Clint, how would you go about reaching people from the opposite spectrum, people who criticize the tweet? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I mean, I, I actually said it in, in my follow-up thread this morning. I just said, if you found the meme offensive, I want you to reflect on why was it because you felt sympathy for her loss? Good. That means you haven't lost your humanity. Now, please extend that same sympathy to the millions of displaced or dead innocents throughout the Middle East. I think that's that's really 
at its core, the point we're trying to make here is that there's people are not paying attention to what really matters. You know, a meme, I can't even believe that people are so in an uproar over this. It, it, it just, it's stunning. And I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but it's like you have 10 million impressions on this thing. <laughs> I mean, that's lunacy. It took, it probably took me 20 seconds to fucking think it up and hit it and send it out. You know, it's like, it's just, a, it's amazing um, when you, when you shake people's worldview that it can cause such an outrage. And, and what I, what I'm trying to accomplish here is that, you know, as some other people on the panel have said, you know, a lot of, most people are followers. So I think it's important that they realize that there are, there is a significant percentage of this country that does not support the warfare state and the militarism that we have basically just accepted as an inevitability for my entire life. And, uh, and that's, that's what I'm trying to do is trying to create a home for those people, a movement for those people so that they can feel as if, you know, if they are just the follower type that they can feel secure in expressing it. Um, because at this point, obviously many people do not feel secure in expressing it. You can see our detractors that are within the libertarian movement that don't feel secure in expressing it. And I think that's a huge, um, a huge issue. And, and one that, you know, maybe this doesn't help to alleviate, but at least it, uh, it shows who's capable of stepping outside the, the bounds of allowable opinion and, and uh, you know, speaking to our true belief system. Reed, um, with this, what would you say to those who criticize your idea posted by New Hampshire Libertarian Party? How would you reach people to become part of the most important for me, and I think for you guys as well, if I'm careful to say, the most important issue, which is the sanctity of human life, anti-war. How would you go about it? Yeah, well, I, um, I've i been a shitlord for a long time. And personally, I've had a really crass sense of humor. But when I first started having an online presence, I was actually a little bit more reined in, much more, uh, you know, I, I do, I would actually look similar to like Justin Amash or something on Twitter. I'd just be doing a thread about why the minimum wage is a bad idea or why, you know, this and that doesn't work or whatever. And I just realized nobody gives a shit. Like if you're just giving exposition without any sort of hook, no one will read it. And regardless of how good or solid your points are. So then I started, you know, getting a little edgier. And like I said, I think it always has to have a point. Like if you're just being edgy for the case, being edgy without educating people on anything or having something that's true uh, involved in what you're saying, then it kind of falls flat. But uh, I just started doing that and my success has exploded since then. It's been, you know, I'll get, I, when I had a Twitter account, I'd get thousands of reactions on tweets because I would say something really crass or really funny or really controversial that made a point. And then you can hook people in and get them to read more exposition because maybe they're going to be interested. So one of you guys, I think it was Eric, was saying like, you know, some people might be like, why do you guys hate Megan McCain so much? We've got tons of comments like that to LPNH. And since the tweet went out and then tweets leading up to it for like the last couple of weeks, we've been pushing stuff out about defend the guard, about trying to end the war in Yemen and our involvement in the war in Yemen. And so we we didn't it wasn't like we just threw this tweet in a vacuum and there wasn't any supporting documents to be like, yo, this is what's wrong with this person. If you went through our entire feed, you could read it everywhere. And we were just bringing all the exposition forward, explaining why 
um, you know, why we tweeted what we tweeted. And I think that's the way you got to do it. Like, it's usually the shock value, get people interested, what's going on here. And then you explain to them why things are the way they are. So I actually, one of my friends who's been like a hardcore right-wing neoconservative his whole life, I just made a tweet or no, I, I, this is on Facebook. Actually, I made a post on Facebook where, um, you know, I, I described John McCain and it was like war crimes, you know, I, responsible for the deaths of millions of people, blah, blah, blah. But the picture at the top was Hitler. And then when it got to the bottom, it said, this is all John McCain picture unrelated. And, you know, so that got a lot of people like, holy shit. What but, you know, John McCain is a Hitler to a lot of people in Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria. Uh, he's a Pol Pot. He's a Mao Zedong. He's a Joseph Stalin. You know, like he's no different uh, than those other men in uniform directing people to go, you know, exterminate or bomb or whatever different people around the world from an office. Like he's the same exact thing. So it's usually just that shock and then you get people to try to think a little bit different way and fill it with exposition. And I think it's the most effective. Pretty sure McCain beat uh, Hitler's body count too. So <laughs> yeah, he's like a what, 300,000. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Well, <laughs> you know, just to give my own thoughts regarding, I'm not a libertarian, but I ran into you guys for the past two years. And um, unlike you, I'm very, um, self-demurred when it comes to emotions and uh was once called the mcneil lerher hour of 9-11 which is basically a boring tv station but they're generally pretty good when it comes to information um i think that you guys have the right idea in regards to how to catch an audience and you do it with style you do it with different personalities but you're very gregarious which basically brings attention in negatively and positively but the thing is it's attention attention to important important subjects and you know i hate to to do it to you but i did it to clint last week when ed was here and we talked about the second amendment but um he handled it very graciously and i'll say that the i think the last bastion of hope regarding the way forward for humanity is to anti-war and i think it's through you people you guys in the uh, libertarian movement why i'm i'm supportive of you guys and I think because, you know, it's a, it's a huge weight and I hate to do it, but um, you may not see it this way. I'm a little bit older than most of you, but I think that without the libertarian movement or people of the anti-war movement, for example, if we don't have this, then we don't have anybody to speak out against the very apparatuses that are using the masses and agreements for conflict overseas because they're overseas. Nobody cares. But only when it, they only care when it happens here right at home. But by then it's too late. Um, with the Republicans and Democrats who have come out and basically criticized your tw the tweet that you gave the idea to read and to you guys who basically supported that tweet, um, basically just shows that there is no true left and right paradigm regarding the more important issues. And those issues are the Pentagon, foreign policy guidelines, geopolitics in general, there is a divisive issue when it comes to domestic issues, such as social security, healthcare and stuff. And that's only because it's meant to divide us all together as one, as from each other. Because if we're united as one, there's no way that they can overcome us. And I think it's from you guys, basically, who bring the anti-war message that is so sorely important 
now more than ever because we have a Ukraine crisis, a Yemen crisis from the left and the right of proposing China and Iran in the future. Yeah. So it's you guys, and I hate to do it to you, that are going to be the most vocal and the most important voices going the way forward. And I, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on here today, talking about these issues today. And I think it's really important. And even though I'm a small channel, you guys are the uh, the bigger channels, the bigger voices. And I want you, I've wanted your thoughts about the subject regarding Megan McCain and why I think the public should criticize her, even though she's not the proponent for most of these conflicts overseas, but certainly advocates for them. And really, thank you, each and every one of you. And uh, I'll go to Eric. Eric, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, thanks for putting this together, Adam. Sorry, I jumped in quickly. And I just want to say, I hope Megan McCain's going to get some student loan relief from Brandon, at the very <laughs> least. It's been a rough week for her, so you could use the money. Um, yeah, Jackman Radio on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Senator Jackman, Jackman Radio. And uh, we have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash Jackman Radio. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're on there. We, you know, we, we push the envelope as far as we can. We don't want to lose our channel. We've worked hard to build it up. Um, but yeah, Adam, thanks so much, man. This is great. And, and I'm very humbled by those sentiments. And it, it's awesome. We've all found each other in these last uh, few years because we do have the anti-war streak in us. And, and we do line up on the really big picture, important issues. So we've got a lot more ahead of us and we're going to be with Ron Paul next week. So that's going <laughs> to, that'll, that'll be great too. So thanks a lot, Adam. Jose. Yeah, uh, I, I want to you know thank you for your sentiments. I, I also want to point out there's some truth to it because this is one point I think I brought up and maybe some others you know, throughout this panel is the idea of you know how you know, all the hate that that Reed got back from it and everyone being like oh you know and you know kind of the idea of like a small group of people and what can do. Uh, I know it may sound silly, but uh, you know this group right here. I mean, I guess Eric isn't really one of the Tower Power guys, but he's you know uh, tangentially associated with us. You know, Four Horsemen. I I can't tell you how many how many things, and and I don't even mean to you know bloviate about ourselves. A you know small group of idiots that are aggressive and kind of know their stuff have changed <laughs> the course of things over this. Like, I mean, hell, even Reed. Uh, I mean, we used to you know, when we first met him, the Tower Power guys, the Tower Gang, whatever. Like we. We did not like him. He came off just like a centrist milk toast, and uh, you know, and then we talked to him. We realized how awesome he was. He, and I think we kind of, you know, encouraged him to get a little bit more hardcore. So I just think a, a cohesive group of people, you know, a you know, with a shared sense of purpose, can really make a big difference. Uh, so the idea that you know you need some, you know, uh, you know, a large group of people to get things done, a bunch of votes, it's not the case. Uh, you know, small groups of people, you know, that are cohesive, that you know get other followers it kind of snowballs it can make a huge difference but yeah uh i'm uh, jose galison i have the no way jose show follow me on youtube all the major auto podcasters odyssey as well you can follow me at twitter at senior jose 2020 uh, yeah i uh i took a week off because i just got a strike for questioning that you know religious ceremony we do every four years um you know that was actually uh the with reed clint and top lobster we did a panel that's what did it i took it as a chance to take a week off but i have a bunch of hot ones coming in i have brandon caserta coming back on going to the details of the michigan kidnapping trial uh, i'm starting a new uh, live reading series with aaron for time on earth and then also after that i'm you know continuing my okc bombing series with richard booth we still probably have at least two more episodes in the can before we'll exhaust it. And even then I may end up doing bonus episodes with different people covering different angles. Cause uh, I mean, the, it goes so deep when you go into OKC, it just really does. I've done already probably at least seven hours on it. 
Uh, it'll probably be well over 10 by the time it's done. Uh, I know it sounds daunting, but it's one of those things once you start you know, digging it, you're like, holy moly, uh, that series has been doing really well. So I highly suggest people go check it out if you're going to check out my work. So I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it was fun talking to all of you. Yeah, Clint. Uh, yeah, I would just say that, you know, whether or not we can actually <laughs> be be the uh, inflection point in this tyrannical system or not, I, I have no idea. But I do think that we're filling a market demand. You know, like there is a, there is a desire for people that speak the truth, a hardcore libertarian truth, and they do it, you know, unabashedly. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have found, you know, this network of people. And, and I think that, um, you know, we've only just begun. I really do think that we're going to, we're going to shake up the world, whether or not we fix the world, I have no idea, but we're going to shake this bitch up. So uh, let's keep going. Uh, as for my show, I just had Dave Smith and uh, Andrew Napolitano on yesterday. Um, second half of the interview with Dave was, was tremendous, <clears throat> really talked about, you know, our childhoods and, um, and fatherhood and things like that. So I think that you guys will enjoy that. And then uh, if you want the latest on the FBI raid, my interview with Napolitano was eye-opening as always. <clears throat> uh, I also have, <clears throat> sorry, on uh, September 4th, uh, Sticks, X and Hammer 666 versus Dave Smith debating Trump's legacy. I'm sure we will have much more of the, uh, the debate on the militarism that seems consistent no matter who is president uh, i think that'll be an interesting one and probably the biggest episode i'll ever do or have ever done at least um so i hope everyone will subscribe to liberty lockdown go check that out and if you want to follow me on twitter i am 500 450 away from fifty thousand. get me there at liberty lock pod thank you for having me adam sure read yeah so i don't have twitter but follow at lpnh libertarian party of new hampshire on there and uh, also at FSP, that's the Free State Project. Um, I am on YouTube, Odyssey, Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, all that with my show, The Naturalist Capitalist. I'll be doing The Four Horsemen tomorrow night with Phil Labonte as our special guest with Eric and Ryan Dawson. And then uh, Monday night, I'm going on Clint's show to talk about this fiasco. Um, let's see, Tuesday night, I'm going on Allison Morrow's YouTube channel. Wednesday night we'll have Tower Gang, and then Thursday night I'm going on Revenge Revenge of the Sis to talk about this tweet too. Oh, so yeah. Uh, just yeah, it's uh, just uh, follow me on uh, those platforms, and then I'm uh, I've got a Substack, Substack that I've really been pushing. Just Substack.com forward slash Reed Coverdale. Check me out there. I'm putting out two or three articles a week, and uh, Telegram. That's my uh, kind of shitty replacement for Twitter right now because I'm not allowed there. <laughs> but thanks for having me on, Adam. Um, I really appreciate all the exposition you add. Uh, you know, you've really, you're kind of like Ryan Dawson without the rabbit trails. I can kind of like, if I want to know something, I can have Adam, have Adam on and just talk about it. Don't have to like rein him in all the time. So you've really, uh, you've really red pilled a lot of people on uh, our intelligence agencies and the greater effects of 9-11 and how that's destroyed the 21st century. So I really appreciate you too. Yeah, I want to I want to echo that real quick because I can't tell you how many times, Adam, you've actually really come in clutch because I do think uh, your kind is an important part of this dynamic because uh, I can't tell you how many tiffs we've gotten in where it is we're in this ambiguous world and then you'll go a deep dive uh, and going to the specifics <laughs> of it that way for anyone who is really like, oh, my God, what's going on here is genuinely concerned, genuinely, you know, from a good faith position being like, I don't know how to come down on this because I'm confused about the details and they'll check yours out. And I mean, even some of the silliest stuff, but it's been super important, you know, because like you did the you were one of the first people out with this to provide more context and 
uh, you know, some of our other, you know, tips we have, which I'm not going to bring it up because I don't want to rehash old stuff. But yeah, Adam will be like, I just read like a 600 page article yesterday and did a four hour live stream on it. So, you know, nothing, no big deal. <laughs> He's like, I actually tracked down the type of toothpaste Muhammad Ana used on September 10th. <laughs> and, that, and, and it was totally a different one in the 9-11 commission. Oh, Lordy, yeah. you know how to make a guy blush. Uh <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll end it like this. Um, you know, George Santayana once said that uh, those who are uh, those who tend to forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Let's not repeat the mistakes of the past of our forefathers and those who have um, basically gave way to the worst of types of uh, atrocities to, for humankind. And let's make uh, the future just a little bit of a better world. And like I said before, um, I think that way forward will be from you young men in general. And so I'll end it like that. Thank you very much for tuning in and uh, I'll see you in the next video. Thank you very much for coming on guys. Thank you guys. Thank you.